Hello and welcome back to ED's mini podcast series covering the COP24 Climate Conference, bringing you the key news, views and takeaways from the UN Summit. After reporter Sarah George expertly covered the opening two days of the Katowice Conference in Poland, ED's content editor Matt Mace is picking up the reins to cover days three and four. It's Thursday, December 6, and we're still very much in the infancy of the two-week conference, where the overall aim is to create a rulebook that will instruct nations and businesses as to how to reach their climate goals in regards to funding and targets. In order to bring you all the lowdown on what's going on out there, we are bringing you quick-fire podcast episodes from our East Grinstead offices near Gatwick, which obviously isn't Katowice. In fact, it's more than 1,500 kilometres away. But alongside covering all the key talking points, some of which are listed in the article accompanying this episode on the website, we're keen to give you, the listeners, a sense of what it's like on the ground at COP24. Throughout these episodes, we will be featuring exclusive insight and interviews from sustainability professionals that have travelled out to the summit. And in fact, I believe Sarah has managed to secure a guest from this episode that's out there right now. So let's go over to her to see who she's managed to speak to. Hello, this is Sarah here, Edie's reporter, and I am joined on the phone by representatives from 3M. Um, and specifically, we are chatting to Gail Schuyler, their Chief Sustainability Officer, who is out in Poland at the moment. So good morning, Gail. Good morning. Nice to be with you. You too. Um, so it's 11am on the 6th of December here in England, but it's 12 o'clock in Poland. And what is the vibe today? What is happening on the ground at, um, in Poland? Yeah, there's lots going on. We're actually hosting uh, an event with our customers today where we're bringing in um, thought leaders and customers and some folks from government who are around the COP24 event uh, so that we can bring together conversations about what's happening with climate and other sustainability issues and create a partnership and opportunity for collaboration. Mm. And then is 3M there for the entire conference? What is what is your sort of role with the presence at the conference? Yeah, we're engaged um, as a global company across um, the portions this week. We have a team in town, um, and we're excited about our new announcements that we're making here about our sustainability framework and our our goals around new products. Mm, I'm sure a lot of people will have read th- read about this this morning, but would you mind just summarizing that for the podcast? Absolutely. Uh, Our goal around new products going forward is that 100%, every new product we launch will have a sustainability value commitment. What that means is with 1,000 new products every year and a third of our sales coming from products introduced in the last five years, year by year, this will be transforming our business um, from the grassroots up with every new product that we launch. Mm, And when people... Some of those products... Go ahead. Oh, no, sorry, I was just going to say, so when people think of 3M, they're probably thinking of things like Post-it Note and Scotch or other office supplies. But from what I understand, there's a much wider product portfolio than than that, that this will apply yeah, to. Right. Mm-hmm. We have a broad array of products from five different business groups. And when we talk about a sustainability value commitment, that's what their footprint is. That's one way, as well as what they do for customers. So you're right. We do things like scotch, scotch break and post-it notes. But we also have things that help make 
automobiles be lighter weight, things that help aircraft be lighter weight, things mm -hmm. that help electronic devices have better energy efficiency, and buildings um, produce better energy efficiency as well. Mm, so that's covering a variety of sectors there. So everything from your desk to your car, pretty much. <laughs> For sure. And I, and I haven't even started to talk about our healthcare business and our safety areas. We really help keep workers safe every day. Mm, and then I was going to ask, so a lot of the coverage focusing around COP24 is about the world leaders being there. So calls to world leaders or from green groups. Um, What's the business presence like like there, other than yourself? And why do you think that that is important for companies um, of such a size and scale as yourselves to be represented at these summits? Well, we think that the key to solving the world's greatest challenges around sustainability are really best handled through a combination of collaboration and using good science. And so collaboration absolutely has to happen with corporations and partnerships between corporations and governments and civil society. And that's why we think it's really important to connect on a global stage, uh, partner with others who are like-minded, and really uh, help build in the science to create um, a better future for all of us. No, fantastic. I couldn't have summed it up better myself. Um, well, I'm going to head back off to the podcast studio where Matt, where Matt will be bringing us the rest of the news, views and um, everything else you may have missed from the past couple of days at COP24. So thank you, Gail, for joining me. Thanks, Sarah. It was a pleasure. Well, there you have it. That's certainly my first taste of what it's like to be at the event. But what has actually been announced and how is it impacting corporate sustainability? For one, the Katowice Declaration on Sound Carbon Accounting was announced on Wednesday and has already been backed by a host of NGOs and the Environmental Defence Fund and the We Mean Business Coalition, as well as individual firms such as EDF and Shell. The declaration highlights the need to avoid what is essentially double counting in emission statistics and an overall push to ensure businesses are provided with the certainty over issuances of things such as emissions offsets and reductions. Elsewhere, sustainability leader IKEA has strolled into Poland to release a new study that analyzes consumer attitudes towards climate change. The retailer surveyed more than 14,000 people across this year and found that 90% of respondents would likely change their own behaviors in order to help combat climate change. The problem, however, is that very little feel they have been equipped with the knowledge to do so. In response, IKEA is using the COP24 event to run Climate Action Starts at School programmes. Finally, the World Health Organisation is also present at the event and has linked the need to halt climate change with the ongoing air pollution crisis. Research from the organisation suggests that meeting the Paris Agreement can save more than 1 million lives across the globe annually up to 2050, all by reducing air pollution through the closure of fossil fuel plants and a switch away from dirty combustion engines and technologies. And before we wrap up for today's episode, we do have time for my personal favourite part of COP24, a good old game of good cop, bad cop, a roundup of one stand-up positive story and one, shall we say, less positive announcement at the event. So, as for good cop, on Wednesday, a Swedish startup unveiled what it claims is the world's first carbon-negative fuel. 
Manufactured in Austria by the Next Fuel startup, the fuel is made by feeding dried elephant grass into a sealed rotary drum where oxygen is removed from the air and the material is separated into fuel and waste, a process which apparently takes just 30 minutes. Next Fuel, the startup, estimates that if a cement factory currently running on coal-fired power and heat were to switch to its alternative fuel, its annual operational carbon footprint would be reduced by 105%. So that was good cop, but what about bad cop? Well, this um, segment's bad news comes from the menu on offer at the event. Analysis from Farm Ford and Brighter Green found that the main food court serving the conference's estimated 30,000 visitors is offering twice as many meat-based entrees as plant-based ones. The meat-based options account for 4.1 kilograms of CO2 equivalent per serving and generate an average greenhouse gas emissions more than four times higher than that of plant-based mills, which offer 0.9 kilograms of CO2 equivalent per serving. In fact, the food court's pork and beef dumplings account for 7.7 kilograms of CO2 equivalent per serving and have more than 24 times the carbon footprint of the cabbage and mushroom dumplings. Hopefully some delegates took a packed lunch to the event with them. We'll be back Monday 10th of December with the next COP update and until then be sure to check out the ED website for more information. But until next time, goodbye.